Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 29th day of October, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and let's kick things off as we look back at the week that was this evening with at least a bit of good news, even if it was a long time coming. I like the headline from Zero Hedge that says, The firings begin. Now that Elon Musk has taken ownership of Twitter, the CEO, CFO, and the top censor, among others, have all been escorted out the door. Good riddance. Says the story, just minutes after the world's richest man has reportedly closed the $44 billion deal, the New York Times reports, so hey, it must be true, that according to sources that declined to be identified, the Twitter executives who were marched out the door include Parag Agrawal, Twitter's chief executive, Ned Siegel, chief financial officer, Sean Edgett, general counsel, and I love this one, the top legal and policy executive, a.k.a. the censorship czar, Vihaya Gadi who's gone as well. And while this hardly fixes things, as the old joke goes, it's a start. From there, let's go back and pick up a lot of the rest of the news, most of it either bad or very bad. Yeah, some of it downright ugly, more or less chronologically. Although i got to admit up front, some of this really is hard even to describe. What is it really nowadays that we're seeing? It went way beyond insanity a long time ago. It's beyond obscene. Lawlessness went down the tubes before the last election was rigged. And even noting that most of the politicos and press are trying to call evil good and good evil doesn't seem to quite encompass the totality of what we're seeing nowadays. And on that score, I have literally a stack of stories vying for the top, or is it the bottom spot today? Some of them I'll skip for now, at least, because you could say, oh yeah, we saw that coming. But I guess you could say that about most of the stories that would make the Babylon Bee blush. They're working hard to try to keep up with the level of insanity and inanity that we're seeing routinely now to the point where almost nothing should surprise us. Well, here's an easy example. I almost didn't even do this one. Canada and the communist love child of Fidel Castro, Justin Fidel Trudeau, an almost dictator for life. Oh, by the way, China did that with Xi Jinping. No surprise there either has decided to ban all handgun sales effective immediately, which was over the weekend. Come on. Does anybody really surprised at that? Now, when they start lining people up against the wall and shooting them because they don't have their vaccine passport or they said something nasty on socialist media, that might qualify for the insane story of the day. Not even remotely in a week like this one. Now, you know that the First Amendment is dead. Stick a fork in it. Are we talking about the right to petition the government for redress of grievances? Well, ask the January 6th people in the Swamp Gulag. How about freedom to worship? Well, certainly if it's the great god Fauci, and you don't say anything that Big Brother doesn't like. Oh, speaking of which, the right to freedom of speech, forget it. But we've gone way beyond forget it, even. Remember when there was that obscene, ridiculous judgment by a kangaroo so-called court in Texas that said, we're not only not going to allow evidence in this court, you can't even put up a defense if the issue is saying things that are verboten. Whereupon a half a dozen sycophants, pretending to be at most half a jury, asked the black-robed priests of Molech, well, how much is a lot more money than we can ever imagine? How about $50 million or so? No, that's not enough zeros to scare people away from saying things that we don't want to hear or allow to be spoken anywhere anymore and put a wooden stake in all of that Bill of Rights thing. How about (gasps) a billion dollars? Woo, that ought to scare everybody into silence and submission. 
But wait, folks, take a second here and put on your credibility hat. And no, this is not the Babylon Bee, but it should be. Those numbers may be obscene, but just to show that the people that are running this circus absolutely have no clue about even elementary mathematics, but they really do despise the concepts of truth, justice, and law. This came out over the weekend, too. The liars supposedly representing the Sandy Hook families, and that is the correct pronunciation, your host contends, even if it does give the dog ate my homework whopper a bad name, are now asking a circus clown in a black robe in Connecticut to order Alex Jones to pay two and three quarter trillion dollars in so-called damages. Because they can't come right out and kill him. Or can they? I guess we'll see. But they do want to send a message. But just for reference, since those are numbers that most public school cesspool dumbed-down kids today couldn't even count the zeros on, that's more than the entire GDP of Canada. And yeah, that's before Trudeau finished putting a wooden stake in it. Remember, folks, when a different set of jihadists used to just film the execution of people by cutting their heads off and then send that to the families? Yeah, at this point, I thought to myself, maybe I should see what the Babylon Bee has said about it. And as it turns out, I'm a bit disappointed. Because what they came up with isn't really scary or insane enough. Their top headline says, After several days of hearings, a Connecticut jury has found Alex Jones guilty of defamation and sentenced him to death. Come on, guys. That's, uh, well, not bad. But if you really want to wear a black robe in America 2022, or get a cushy job in the White House writing out cue cards for the marionette in chief, you got to do a lot better than that. Well, in fairness, though, the story did go on to say this, and it is a bit funnier. After the death penalty, the verdict said, We understand this is just a civil suit, but Alex Jones is so uniquely evil, we decided pursuing the death penalty in this case was appropriate, said a liar representing the plaintiffs. The jury also ruled that Jones must pay a sum of infinity dollars, a hundred quadrillion gazillion Googleplex dollars. Jones' lawyers are expected to submit an appeal, but legal experts, and you know what that means nowadays, folks, predict the appeal will immediately be dismissed on the grounds that Alex Jones is, well, Alex Jones. Execution is scheduled for as soon as possible before the Supreme Court gets wind of it. And who knows what they'll do anyway. But in fairness, I did see this while I was looking at the Babylon B site. Under their definitive list of fulfilled prophecies, where they noted that Merriam-Webster has now updated their definition of fascism. And actually, they did say it first over five years ago, and it's been fulfilled more times than we can count now, hasn't it? Where they wrote that famed purveyor of dictionaries and authority on the English language, Merriam-Webster, has announced on their popular website an update to the definition of the word fascism, which now reads... A political philosophy, movement, or regime, or for that matter, anyone or anything else, really, that one disagrees with in any way. I guess your host has to note that, given what we're seeing today, that in order to be allowed to live, much less speak, one must have the right kind of politically correct opinions, or one will be made zero. Come to think of it, maybe that's the only kind of math the left still understands. From there, let's move on to the subject of dead guinea pigs revealed via what I'm going to have to call, I think, a series of incredibly unlikely events. Like something that, sadly, probably almost everyone can relate to, when people we know personally start dropping dead like flies, and gee, they were healthy a while ago, it's gotten so bad that, of course, Big Brother had to come up with a new term for it, sudden adult death syndrome. No, don't you even dare think it might have something to do with the poison poke we've been trying to mandate and still intend to slam into you one way or another. Inquiring minds not only want to know, ultimately, they can't keep denying the truth. A 55-year-old once-healthy radio DJ in Suffolk, United Kingdom, died of a suspected heart attack while on air Monday, broadcasting from his home studio. 
And guess what he'd previously been pushing? If you can say the Zyklon B injections, although he didn't call them that, but ultimately may have just barely figured it out, doesn't even remotely change the litany of once very rare coincidences. And I put that term in quotes, folks. Will and Grace star Leslie Jordan died after he crashed his BMW into a building in Hollywood on Monday, having suffered a medical emergency. Hmm, wonder what that could have been. And I do have to admit that unlike so many accidents, at least this one was a solo self-destruct. And as an engineer, yeah, I do have to admit, do I know positively that he was poison poked? Well, he was still popular in Hollywood. That pretty well tells the story. Is the poison poke for sure absolutely positively the cause? No, but you'd have to be a blankety-blanking fool not to recognize what looks like a Six Sigma, statistically outrageously unlikely series of events. And we're just getting rolling. Wrestling icon Kevin Nash spoke on Monday about the untimely death of his son, aged 26, after having a seizure in his bedroom and going into cardiac arrest. Yes, he died suddenly and unexpectedly. And, oh yeah, the cause of death has not been revealed. In Philadelphia, a famous drag queen, I won't give either the name or the pronoun, collapsed and died mid-performance on stage while doing a drag show and was pronounced dead less than 45 minutes later. And Fox News host Megyn Kelly on Monday shared the news that her 58-year-old sister, Suzanne Crossley, had died suddenly and unexpectedly on Friday from a heart attack. And let me make this point clear, folks, although I know regular listeners are well aware of it. No, we are not taking any kind of satisfaction in the death of so many of these people, guinea pigs, that have been duped into taking these Zyklon B injections. In fact, we've been blowing the shofar and warning as loud as we can to as many people as we can about the deadly danger of submitting to this absolute insanity that's being foisted on a whole lot of people by some truly evil satanic types that know darn well what they're doing. And how's that for as blunt as I can be? Because it really is a matter of life and death. Yah himself says he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the unrighteous. But at the very least, we can hope and pray that the example that's being set here by so many people passing well before their time, not to mention the even greater number of people whose lives have been destroyed by the side effects of this evil thing, might at least help to finally let the truth be spoken aloud and received by those who really need to hear it while there may, in fact, still be time. Which takes me back to that tragic story from Megan Kelly. And she at least gets partial credit for this. Says the Gateway Pundit's coverage, five days ago, Kelly faced backlash after she tweeted about the danger of the COVID-19 not-vax to young children. She wrote, a scary number of kids are dying after taking the COVID-vax from myocarditis, among other injuries. Gee, there's a shocker. How dare, she said correctly, the CDC add this to its list of school vaccinations. Don't listen. Be very careful with your teenage boys in particular, but girls too. These are not honest brokers. This is dangerous. And she's right, even if she isn't yet coming right out and telling people the rest of the damnably evil story. But we'll continue to do that here. I'll mention... Three more examples, people that haven't died, but if anybody deserves to, ooh, i got to be careful on that score, but yeah, these three probably do. Certainly Tony Fauci, America's very own Dr. Mengele, who took the poke, all the boosters, and oh, so visibly wore that mask, got a taste of his own medicine, as did the pedophile-in-chief, the allegedly, anyway, multiply boosted, senile quid pro Joe Biden. Remember how many times he read the cue cards and said, famously, you can't catch it if you take your Zyklon B. 
And now we have CDC director, the evil Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who confidently says the Zero Hedge coverage lied through her damnable teeth last year when she proclaimed that, quote, vaccinated people do not carry the virus and don't get sick, unquote, has gotten sick and come down with the booga, booga, booga Fauci flu, COVID-1984, just one month after receiving the latest bivalent Omicron-tuned booster for the gain-of-function bioweapon. She said Saturday she'll isolate at home and attend her very important meetings remotely. Now, there's a couple of things that make all of this interesting and even infuriating in the light, notes Zero Hedge, of the revelations. Now, after over a billion people have taken the Zyklon B, they can be revealed that Pfizer never tested their experimental mRNA injection to see if it actually prevented transmission. They didn't have to, folks. They knew blankety-blank and well that it was intended to turn people into spike protein bioweapon manufacturing facilities. Which is why, point two, your host suspects strongly, although we'll never be able to prove any of this, that none of those three, with the possible exception of the fellow that they didn't really care that much about anyway, the Biden Fuhrer, but certainly not Drs. Walensky and Mengele, got an actual dose of the real Zyklon B injection that they were given to the masses of deplorables. Probably just a sailing shot, or maybe something else entirely. Who knows? One thing's for sure, we're not going to be told. And I guess now there's that other thing. It didn't work. But notice, folks, that unlike celebrities and airline pilots, which they cover up anyway, not nearly as many high-ranking politicos are dropping dead as the statistics might seem to indicate, given what we're seeing among, uh, oh, I don't know, teenage high school athletes and soccer players and basketball players and you name it. If they've taken the poison poke, no doubt about it, they're at risk. And if they've been duped into more than one booster, their number might almost be up. That leads me to this story that I can't help but think is really timely. This is from Mark Crispin Miller via the Burning Platform, who notes that in just the last three months alone, 53 performers have dropped dead or at least keeled over right on stage in front of an audience. Now, see, folks, unlike when an airline pilot in a locked cockpit keels over and the plane makes an unexpected landing, or if he's dead, they just continue on to the destination and make sure he gets taken off quietly sometime later, it's kind of hard to hide it when a high-profile performer just drops over right there before a whole mass of people. Or like Justin Bieber and a whole lot of others on that score, has a dramatic side effect that, like the once really rare but not so much anymore, Bell's palsy, basically short-circuits her career, if not forever, at least for a noticeably long period of time. Says the author, before the global not-vaccination drive, along with it the mass injection of celebrities and everybody else, especially celebrities, though, because they have to submit or uh, you'll never work in this town again, nothing even remotely like this had ever, ever happened anywhere, except, of course, in works of fiction, like, ironically, the movies. After all of that, I guess I have to go to the thing that I almost started off with today, even though it happened a day or so later in the week, Probably one of the biggest examples of in-your-face hypocrisy that you'll ever see. All right, well, can I really say that, uh, given what we've noted of late? Maybe not. But still, it should put to shame even the out-of-control left. But you know darn well it won't. When they call people election deniers for daring to suggest the obvious, pointing to eminently hackable voting machines and voluminous examples of outright fraud, from photocopied ballots to dead voters or paying attention to actual statistics that show the rigging was completely beyond the pale in 2020, and you know darn well they're planning it again, and if you have videos to make that point, oh, they'll ban you. 
Just ask the Gateway Pundit, which has lots and lots of them. So who do we turn to for the kind of hypocrisy that would even make her namesake blush? Well, none other than Hitlery herself. Still pushing the vast right-wing conspiracy that turns out to be about the only conspiracy you've probably heard in the last decade that didn't turn out to be true. Now, first, a warning before I start this. This is probably about as disgusting as anything I'll ever play. And admittedly, I had to watch it in small pieces just so I didn't throw up all over my microphone. The good news is you at least don't have to see the video at the same time. And I'll introduce it this way. Notice how all of us who actually have read the Constitution and know what form of government we were supposed to have, oh, and by the way, know which God, not the one that she worships, our rights come from that cannot be infringed by any government of mere fallen men. Yeah, all of that. She calls us deplorables. But on the other hand, those who have now overthrown that republic and gotten away with their coup, she refers to them as the Indivisibles, a reference to the fact that the Constitution, or what's left of it, has clearly become a Roche Motel. You can check in, but you can never leave, no matter how badly they gang-rape it and undermine the Bill of Rights and everything that was actually written there in genuine print. And she's going to give us a good example of that in just a minute. But here we go. This is the video she recorded on Monday for the Kool-Aid drinking sycophants. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. I think she means the fact that she lost the election in a landslide that was too big to fake, even with the election rigging they had in place in 2016, and instead some senile codger who likes to fondle little girls and little boys and anybody else that can't fight back got to be dictator instead. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. Y'all have been watching CNN, so facts aren't about to get in the way of the lie I'm fixing to shove down your throats. Brace yourselves. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. Because if we can't get away with that fraud this time around, they may even end up hanging some of us. And come to think of it, that keeps me up at night, too. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. There it is, folks. Can you imagine the hue and cry if Donald Trump had said anything even remotely like that in October of 2020? Or even, say, on January 6th, with all the evidence that was already at that point clear as to the fact that it had happened. Oh, yeah, they'd have called it an insurrection. And they put people in gulags for even suggesting what this witch just came right out and said was going to happen. And actually, she claimed that it did happen in 2017. But none of the CNN sycophants ever called her an election denier, did they? Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. Hypocrisy? Au contraire. This goes way, way beyond just mere, even Hitlery level hypocrisy. To infinity and beyond! The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Full stop, and I considered putting in laughter at this point, but let's be honest, folks. Most people are so ignorant of that document, they wouldn't realize how disgustingly, satanically funny this really is if you've ever read it. 
So I will. This is what that document that she hates so viciously actually says in Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as, uh uh-oh, listen to this, as the legislature thereof may direct. What? You mean the legislature actually has a say in how the electors are going to be selected and what happens? They not only have a say, folks, they have the exclusive say. And guess what? The Supreme Court doesn't have to grant them or decide anything. It's already there. At least it was back when we had a constitutional republic. In such manner, let me read it again, as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. Now, that's hardly an anachronism, unless by that she means pre-communist revolution, which is probably what she really does mean. And that provision, by the way, was part of what was called the Great Compromise between the really big, powerful states and the small states that were worried that, well, exactly what has happened would happen. And this was supposed to be, at least back when we had it, a bulwark against exactly the kind of democracy turning the nation into a dictatorship that the founders wisely were guarding against. Just think. If that happens... Meaning that if we actually had an election ever again that was constitutional... The 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote. It was, of course, never, ever supposed to have been. Or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Many of them Republican-controlled. And evidently, that's especially scary, because not all of them, but at least some of them, may actually have read the document. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. (laughs) Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup. (laughs) Now that really does deserve a laugh because it's really Crush the Counter Coup. They got away with the coup, folks, and they're trying to make darn sure that they lock it down before the actual truth is undeniably, uncontestably admitted. Because treason actually is one of the few crimes spelled out in that same constitution that she hates so much, and no doubt for that reason among them. And if you doubt that, pull up a copy, read Article 3, Section 3, and see if it doesn't fit. By midweek, we had more insults to American intelligence masquerading as debates leading up to the arguably still well-rigged 2022 midterm elections. And if there's good news here, it's in spite of the bad news, because things have gotten so over the top, out of control, absolutely insane, that it simply can't be hidden anymore. So here we go. There were a couple of such events on the national stage, and with the possible exception of Kamala Heels in the Air Harris, who never had a brain to begin with, so we know how she managed to get to her Peter Principle position, and pun intended, There may be only one politician in the United States more cataclysmically medically unfit to be in any position in Washington than the Biden puppet himself, other than a guy who appeared on a debate stage in Pennsylvania this week, pretending he was qualified to be a U.S. Senator, John Fetterman. Yeah, he had a stroke, and oh yeah, it's really obvious. Yeah, it said what happened to him, but the Senate shouldn't be a pity prize. And what those who were watching saw was nothing short of a train wreck. It started off like this and then went downhill. You're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. Well, there you go. I guess that pretty well says it. 
Actually, makes me miss Dick Martin from Laugh-In. Say goodnight, Dick. Goodnight, Dick. They were joking, but now it's the American people that are being played for blithering idiots. Meanwhile, in New York, confronted with one of the worst crime rates in an already lawless and getting worse nation, the incumbent dictator Kathy Hochul, referring to her efforts to put more criminals back on the street and the fact that some folks aren't thrilled about it, literally said, right there on the debate stage, I don't know why that's so important to you. And the truth is, she's right. She doesn't know and couldn't care less. After all, she has bodyguards and all the personal protection that a dictator could possibly want. So what's it with you people, you peons, you? Hey, we haven't finished disarming you yet. If you think crime's bad now, just wait. And just to bring that point home, this week the Center for Death to Children announced that, oh yeah, we haven't killed enough kids yet. We want to inject them with the Zyklon B as part of the childhood immunization schedule. Because... Why are we even hiding it anymore? We do want them all dead. And the fact that you understand that that really is the truth says it all. And we'll be right back. Back now to the second segment for this evening. I am still your host, Mark Hall, and let's kick this one off with a look at where it all really leads. One of the most well-accepted ways of which is to follow the money, or nowadays we have to say follow the fake fiat money, which isn't really money, but is in fact merely currency. And who knows how much longer that will last, because the regime has already announced plans to take even that away too and replace it with, well, let's call it kill switch currency. U.S. GDP grows 2.6% in the third quarter. That's the good news, says Tyler Durden, writing for Zero Hedge. It finally turned positive after two consecutive quarters of decline. That would constitute a recession. Back before we had sock puppet liars masquerading as president in the White House. The bad news? It was all thanks to a European collapse into bone-crushing recession. After two straight months of decline, says the piece, analysts expected a modest rebound in U.S. durable goods orders, and they did, but not as much as expected, only a measly 0.4% month-over-month in preliminary September data. But ex-transportation, new orders actually tumbled a full half percent. They were supposed to be positive, but only barely. That's the biggest month-over-month drop since April of 2020, and you can remember maybe what was happening then. And here's another interesting data point. The big drag on new orders turns out to be a 32-plus percent drop month-over-month in defense aircraft and parts. Uh Uh-oh. So guess who needs another, even bigger war? Well, at least that's something this regime seems to be good at. And since Afghanistan is probably a pretty good guide, that means Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and probably a few former European allies are maybe starting to salivate about getting their hands on some American helicopters, airplanes, and armament. Americans, on the other hand, may not have much luck for too much longer getting their hands on much of anything. If you need it, folks, better hurry and get it. Here's a piece from Yahoo.com that says, Yet another railroad union, this is at least number two, in this case the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen, 
has rejected its deal with major U.S. freight railroads as of Wednesday, reflecting workers' increased frustration. With the lack of paid sick time, remember the level of coercion to get them to take the poison poke. And that adds to concerns about the possibility of a strike next month that would, I'm going to put one word in here, further cripple the economy. But wait, there's more. U.S. energy executives told so-called Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, that shuttered crude oil refineries will not restart. What do you bet that secretly, at least, the regime is thrilled about that? Seems to have been the plan all along. This from Valero's chief executive, Joe Gorder, on Tuesday, concerning comments made with the so-called energy secretary at a recent White House meeting with energy executives. The one interesting thing he said that came out of it, too, was that there was consideration for the ability to restart refining capacity that had been shut down. And I think the general sentiment was that wasn't going to happen. And here, as you may recall, they're echoing sentiment from Chevron CEO Mike Worth, who back in June said there would probably never be another refinery built in the United States because it's, quote, a multi-billion dollar investment. It may take a decade. We haven't had a refinery built in the U.S. since the 1970s. And my personal view, said Worth, is that there will never be another refinery built in the United States, unquote. And if you look at the numbers, folks, it's obvious why. Would you want to invest a billion dollars in something that Big Brother has announced they intend to destroy? Destroy. It's rightfully being called the latest nail in the U.S. refinery coffin. Hey, remember when the United States actually was energy independent as opposed to heading down the toilet bowl? Next from Craig Fuller, CEO of Freight Waves and Zero Hedge. Peak season, an annual event, he writes, in the freight industry, serves as the most important season in the calendar for many transportation firms. Peak season kicks off at different points on the calendar depending upon the role that a freight provider plays in ensuring retail goods are on the shelves for things like the holidays. What's the headline on the bottom line here? The freight industry, he says, is looking at a, quote, very, very ugly end of 2022. Because, yeah, with peak season having already been completed when it comes to ocean freight, we can say with some certainty that this year's peak season for trucking, leading up through the so-called holidays, will be incredibly weak. And he backs that up with about four pages worth of data and comments from trucking company executives. While the timing of the freight recession and when it actually started will be no doubt debated, carriers from some of the weakest spots are already starting to realize that the peak, such as it'll be, won't be very much. And he says, to borrow a phrase from Austrian economist Miss Shedlock, whether we're already in a recession or merely headed into one, the question is basically moot. Another interesting indicator comes from the silver market. No, not the paper crap that they try to tell you represents it in the Crimex, or crooked casinos, as your host calls it. The real stuff that you can actually hold in your hand. This comes courtesy of Zero Hedge and the president of SD Bullion, Dr. Tyler Wall, who says that those who have been keeping an eye on the real silver market know things are getting more than a bit tight. Earlier in the week, a report from Ronan Manley of Bullion Star revealed more than 50% of deliverable silver on COMEX is suddenly not available. And remember, folks, that number is only a tiny fraction of what they've tried to sell into the futures market but can't really deliver anyway. And he quoted metals expert Nikki Shields at the annual LBMA Gold Conference in Lisbon who said things are mildly bearish for gold in the year ahead, but super bullish for silver, as the focus is now on physical tightness driven by unprecedented levels of real, hold-it-in-your-hand demand. Furthermore, the spot market for silver remains in backwardation, meaning the spot price of silver is above the futures price, which indicates an extremely strong demand for, again, the real stuff that you can actually hold in your hand right now. 
And as a matter of fact, demand has become so strong that, as they show on the chart, which you can't see but I'll tell you about, the extent of physical silver percentage premium over spot is almost unprecedented. It's at or above about three-quarters of the spot price itself. So, while the Crimex, for example, would like you to believe that silver is still below $20 for an ounce, yeah, sure, if you try to buy an American Eagle, it's going to cost you almost twice that, says Dr. Wolf. The physical silver market is, quote, as tight as I've ever seen it. A bag of what's called junk silver, for example, that's one of your host favorites. It's literally a mint bag of quarters or dimes, usually, minted in 1964 or before, back when American coinage was still constitutional and had real content. 90% of it was silver. And a bag of those had a face value of 10000 bucks. Of course, a dime isn't at all what it used to be. A real one today is worth closer to two and a half fiat bucks. And as for that bag of junk silver based on silver content, it'll set you back at least 12 bucks an ounce, more than the fake paper crooked casino spot price. But you know what? A year from now, it'll still be silver, as opposed to pot metal or paper or uh, worse still, bits that you can't even read with no power in the computer. Changing gears, but arguably only a bit, as we draw closer by the day to an election that may not happen, but we know that if it does, it'll almost certainly be rigged. We have several stories that are at least related. The Socialist Secretary of State in Pennsylvania, Democrat Lee M. Chapman, has already notified the so-called voters there that you might not worry about getting your vote actually counted, which is pretty much the truth, but here's how she put it. The midterm elections will almost certainly experience delays. And that's quite bizarre, says TGP's coverage, given the election hasn't even yet taken place, and uh, as we've been saying, it may not. And in a virtual news conference, how's this for a warning shot across the bow? Chapman also said the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is working closely with the Federal Bureau of Instigation and the Department of Octung Homeland Security to combat threats. And uh, that probably means people that think their vote is going to count. But she did promise this. Going on NBC, she said, we are not going to have results on election night. And uh, tell me you didn't already know that. Related story, same den of thieves. This comes just one day after 15 Pennsylvania House Republicans sent a letter to that disreputable slime, the acting Secretary of State, demanding to know why almost a quarter million, eh, when you're not counting them, does it really matter? 240,000, anyway, unverified ballots had already been mailed out, which says the law must be set aside and not counted in the 2022 general election unless the voter is able to produce ID, wrote the lawmakers. Chapman, of course, has already said there'll be delays, and maybe now it's becoming clear why. But she said, hey, it doesn't mean there's anything nefarious happening. Well, obviously, folks, it doesn't mean there isn't either. And if you're paying attention, you know that's the way to bet. By the way, Zero Hedge did the math and notes that given 1.2 million mail-in ballots have been requested in the state, not quite half have been returned, that means about 25% of the mail-in ballots that were already sent out were uh, unverified. wonder if that's enough to swing a few congressional districts. Or just maybe, since we have a pretty strong indication it did happen a couple years back, a presidential race. Here's another one of those amazing coincidence stories, courtesy of the Gateway Pundit. A U.S. mail truck reportedly carrying a whole bunch of absentee ballots in southwest Georgia was set afire on Monday. And according to law enforcement officials, the mail carrier wasn't injured, but the vehicle and the mail contained within it were completely destroyed. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along. Move along. 
from 100% Fed Up, and I'll admit that's a great name. Americans no longer trust our intelligence agencies. Gee, do you think? Especially after the January 6th incident where people like former Oath Keeper, Arizona Chapter President Ray Epps, who spent two days calling on Trump supporters to join him at the Capitol instead of at the Ellipse, briefly appeared on the FBI's most wanted list, only to disappear once a sufficient number of primarily Trump-supporting actual Americans were arrested in the armless so-called insurrection. And of course, remember folks, unlike Antifa or BLM, they didn't kill anybody, rape anybody, destroy all kinds of property, or burn anything to the ground. Although a couple of them, like Ashley Babbitt for starters, were executed for their trouble. So here's the story that raises eyebrows today. When a group of masked men, says the piece, also reported via the Gateway Pundit, wearing khakis and identical jackets, showed up in that same swamp, Washington, D.C., December 4th, 2021. No one had ever heard of them. The radars of people who were paying attention went right up. The khaki-clad group of similar size and age men marched to the Lincoln Memorial, and almost as quickly as they came, they marched back to the U-Haul trucks that had brought them, whereupon the left immediately made up stories about them and their ties to so-called right-wing extremists, and say it with me, folks, white supremacy. Problem is, no one on the right had ever heard of these guys. Conservatives, though, seem to think they have a pretty good idea about where they may have come from. And if you can come up with three letters, starting with FBI... Maybe you got an idea. But Big Brother's got lots and lots of other letters, too. You can almost pick them at random, with the possible exception of the ones that really should be there, like SS and NKVD. The follow-on? Yesterday, a case was filed in federal court by a name you've probably heard, the evil scumbag lawyer for none other than Hitlery herself, Mark Elias, against something called Clean Elections USA, which is a grassroots group, says the article, that openly requests volunteers to help monitor absentee drop boxes. You know, the ones that got stuffed full of illegal and photocopied ballots about two years ago by a couple thousand of what are called mules. In the lawsuit, creepy leftist lawyer Mark Elias claims volunteers tied to that group, or so they say, are allegedly intimidating voters and violating federal law. Remember, you have to be on the right in order to violate federal law. If you're on the left, you can intimidate anybody you want and uh, even do worse than that, and it's just fine. But just make really sure you don't intimidate any mules. The problem is, Clean Elections USA members and their supporters have gathered outside boxes in Maricopa County, among other places, in recent weeks to watch people drop off ballots. It's called a deterrent against voter fraud. And just imagine, and I think they already have, what would have happened differently if we'd had similar people actually paying attention to election fraud in November of 2020. Said the group, we must legally deter people from committing voter fraud. And the only way we can do that is to monitor Dropbox locations with a team of volunteers, which is why we're reaching out to patriots like you who have similar concerns. In short, we need your help, said their website. And says the author here, it's curious that the so-called elusive election observers who are allegedly tied to this grassroots election integrity group are dressed almost identically in the same costumes anyway, worn by the so-called Patriot Front Group that has been so maligned by the knee-jerk left and their uh, sycophants in the press. Here's a quick case in point. The article quotes this bit of tripe from Reuters. It says, As the United States enters the final stretch to November's midterm elections, Reuters documented multiple incidents of intimidation involving an expanding army of election observers, many of them recruited by prominent Republican Party figures and activists echoing Trump's ahem, false theories about election fraud. Who could possibly believe such a thing would even be possible? 
Yeah, I put that in there, as you probably can guess. Reuters isn't about to use sarcasm to discredit their own BS. The widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election, as alleged by Trump and his supporters, was never proven, unquote. And even if they had proven it, we're not about to report it or admit that it was even remotely possible. And by the way, we'll deep six anybody even tries to claim otherwise. Yeah, you get the idea. Says the piece here, as Republican and even independent poll watchers and challengers and observers from groups across the country that are concerned with the theft of this election too, try to fight back against organized crime, voter fraud, radical far-left lawyers like Mark Elias are making their way across America and cherry-picking cases. Even folks, I suspect, and that's what the piece is pointing out here, injecting a few argent provocateurs. Marching under a false flag, trying to pretend they know what the enemy, their enemy anyway, looks like. And uh, that alone should be a giveaway to try to uh, get some high-profile coverage and defend the radicals that are attempting to tie their hands and do it all one more time. Because they know that if they actually do get caught and people actually fight back and the polls actually were allowed to put a uh, red wave in place, don't think for a second that's going to be allowed to happen, folks. We're seeing it unfold here. There's a whole lot of these people know they'll be hanging by the neck until, uh, well, you know what, and so do they. And the next story notes, hey, guess who is also right here pushing the same big lie? Disgusting excuse for an Attorney General, Merrick Garland, who's also weighed in on so-called voter intimidation, just like he did when parents thought that they had a right to oversee their children's education and try to make their voices heard. Achtung, verboten. Almost on cue, America's dirtiest attorney general, and that's quite a statement, folks, but they make a pretty good case, weighed in and says the agency will, quote, not permit voters to be intimidated, Achtung, unless we are the ones doing it. Democrats must quell any organized activity by crazy Americans who actually have concerns about the integrity of the upcoming ahem, election. Meanwhile, say a number of stories, there are actually no reports of armed observers being either identified or actually found in spite of media claims to the contrary. And uh, you know what? You can probably expect more of this as we get closer to the big lie becoming a fait accompli. This time, you can rest assured, it won't just be cardboard put up in the windows while they uh, don't count the votes. Here's another one. Related story, courtesy of the Gateway Pundit and Ali Alexander. Speaker for the traitors, nutcase Nancy Pelosi and her so-called select committee allegedly investigating, there's a laugher, the January 6th insurrection held its last public hearing nearly two weeks ago. They are made up, of course, of exclusively anti-Republican members, some of them rhinos, appointed by the far left. And, says the piece, in our entire 233-year history, allegedly at least most of that time operating under the Constitution for these United States, this monopartisan makeup and appointment had never happened. And, by the way, no one interested in actually adjudicating the facts would dream up a process of trying to get to objective facts without at least admitting there should be an adversarial process having to do with the calling and questioning of documents and witnesses. But that's exactly what Pelosi, Benny Thompson, the chairman, and the rhino Liz Cheney, who's since been expelled by voters, have schemed up at great detriment to the republic. Alexander goes on to describe the sham here and some of the things that didn't happen, like, again, objective process, participants actually adversarial to the sham process, any attempt to assess the chain of command failures, miscommunications between various participating agencies, or outright abuses that contributed to the death of the unarmed protesters, the only people actually to die on January the 6th. And noted things like, well, it was only this year we learned there were shoot-to-kill squads embedded around protesters and within the Capitol. What else might we not know? Answer, 
Well, we don't know, and odds are we're not going to find out. What does seem to emerge here is the appearance of a cleanup job. Even more curious, the committee hasn't investigated a single person tasked with maintaining security at the U.S. Capitol grounds. Oh, and you know the name, Nancy Pelosi. Why hasn't she testified under oath about preparation she took or, well, didn't take in preparation for what they knew or should have known was the largest protest and lawful attempt to uh, petition the government for a redress of grievances in modern history? Why won't Pelosi release 14,000 hours of video surveillance at the Capitol? Well, it's immune to FOIA requests like the D.C. police are. And if you've heard stories about how the FBI treats exculpatory evidence, in other words, if something tends to exonerate somebody who the left doesn't want exonerated, they'll deep-six the evidence and the people and uh, arguably even the witnesses. What we're not seeing here, folks, is anything approaching an honest process. What we are seeing, again, is just more of the same scam to cover up and destroy and ultimately put a wooden stake in the republic. As we draw closer to the election... Keep paying attention, because you're going to see the process, such as it is, accelerate. Here's another story that isn't going to get the kind of press coverage it deserves, and it actually, though, is coming from Professor Jonathan Turley, well-known left-leaning constitutional scholar at Harvard, who writes, The Air Force has now admitted an improper release of confidential sexual assault records of an Indiana GOP candidate. Now, why is this so significant? Well, because the candidate happens to be a particularly impressive black woman and what looks like a really fine candidate, Lieutenant Colonel Jennifer Ruth Green. According to two members of Congress, the Air Force has confirmed that the confidential sexual assault records were leaked. Almost looks like they were on purpose, huh? right before the midterm elections, and the Air Force now says they know who done it. Green has attracted national attention, writes Turley, in a surprisingly competitive race against an incumbent Democrat, Representative Frank Mervin. The race has Democrats so worried, get this, that the Congressional Black Caucus took the, well, unusual, he says, and uh, downright controversial step of backing her white opponent. Despite the stated purpose of being a nonpartisan body, yeah, sure, made up of African-American members of Congress with the goal of achieving access to black Americans and other marginalized communities, unquote. And, well, notably, unless they're a high-ranking military officer with a sterling record who happens to be not only black, but female. And then all of the political correctness goes out the window because what really matters is socialism, pure and simple. Professor Turley goes on to quote spokesperson for the Air Force Inspector General and Stefanik, Chief of Media Operations, who told Fox News, based on the preliminary findings of an investigation, it appears the information was released to a third party by a junior individual who did not follow proper procedures or obtain required consent. And she said, yep, the Air Force takes seriously their responsibility to safeguard private information. Yeah, uh, well, except sometimes they take it more seriously than other times. This could have been a simple act of negligence, writes Turley, by a member of the Air Force. Nevertheless, the violation of Air Force policy should concern everyone, regardless of party affiliation, particularly when it's so stinky and happened right before a critically important midterm election. You do have to ask, what is the affiliation or motivation of the known now person seeking these files? Concludes Sterling, despite the fact that this place has been a Democratic stronghold for 90 years, the 1st District is now viewed as a toss-up. And that, folks, is why they're willing to pull out the stops to make sure that, uh, especially in a year like this one, the safe races remain that way. Anybody want to bet that there just might be a little bit of election fraud to watch in this district, too? 
And if all else fails, hey, remember, there's always nuclear war. Two pieces from Zero Hedge to make that point. In a hugely alarming scenario, they said, when world leaders and government officials representing nuclear-armed superpowers appear increasingly to be spouting nuclear rhetoric and warnings in an almost casual manner, eh, maybe people ought to take notice. U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman on Tuesday said that Washington, meaning the swamp, is ready to protect its Asian allies using nukes if they come under attack, spelling out that the U.S would deploy its, quote, nuclear, conventional, and missile defense, adding that Washington will use the full range, whatever remains, in other words, that hadn't been gutted by the scumbags in the DOD and the Department of the Army and you name it, uh, the full range of whatever remains of U.S. defense capabilities to defend our allies, including nuclear, conventional, and missile capabilities. Here's a related piece. Well, we're finally there, says the stock market analyst. Stocks are now officially trading off of nuclear war headlines. Moments ago Thursday, as part of a closely watched speech, Vladimir Putin appeared to dock down the likelihood of a nuclear attack in Ukraine. Remember, folks, there's been a lot of press about a dirty nuke that might just be hidden in Ukraine. Who done it? Well, each side is pointing fingers at the other, but uh, it does seem like Vladimir and the Russians make a pretty good case that it's probably the bad guys that are jonesing so badly to escalate into nuclear war. Since Putin's made it really clear that if they use nukes, they're going to go for the gold. It'll be strategic, not tactical. Anyway, Putin, the headline says, no military political reason for a nuke strike in Ukraine, which is more than can be said about the U.S. Bloomberg has reported the Pentagon's new national defense strategy rejects limits on using nuclear weapons that have long been championed by arms control advocates. Even, once upon a time before he lost his brain, Joe O'Biden. So in another stark reversal for the senile occupant of the White House basement, in his 2020 presidential campaign, Biden pledged to declare that the U.S. arsenal would only be used to deter or retaliate against nuclear attacks. But, yeah, not so much anymore. In a stunning reversal that should outrage anyone with half a brain, the Biden regime reviewed its nuclear policy and concluded that no first use and sole purpose policies would result in an unacceptable level of risk. <laughs> Are you kidding me? In light of the range of non-nuclear capabilities being developed and fielded by competitors. So, hey, if we're going to do it, let's just kill everybody. Seems like for weeks now I've been talking about insanity run amok. And um, amazingly, folks, it just never seems to end. So be very aware of what's going on. Pay attention. Make sure that you understand who you serve because uh, things are not cooling off. And as we get closer and closer to an election that probably isn't intended to happen, I'll say it again. You can expect that to accelerate on every front. 